Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, December 6th. I'm Desiree Frazier in for Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a visit to the state's lone abortion clinic and what Mississippians need to know about the Omicron variant of COVID-19. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Jackson Women's Health Organization faces an uncertain future as the Supreme Court ponders whether to uphold or strike down Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. But in the meantime, the state's only abortion clinic continues to see a steady stream of patients. I visited the facility late last week and spoke with a volunteer escort there named Anna Montesi. So I'm a volunteer with the clinic. Um, I help get patients in and out with as little harassment from the protesters as possible, kind of manage the parking lot. Um, I'm a volunteer, so I kind of come a couple of times a week and help out. With the conservative 6-3 to three majority on the Supreme Court, how are you feeling about the potential for Roe v. Wade to be overturned? I'm very worried. I think it's very poten- possible that that could happen. It's, you know, we try to have hope, so we can always hope that one of them is going to, or one or two of them are going to switch. But with that majority, that 6-3 majority, it's hard to, to remain hopeful. And I think we're all preparing for the possibility that they could overturn Roe. What would that mean for you? And what would you do? So, you know, I think even if they overturn Roe, we got to keep fighting for, I mean, this is something that we, everybody out here cares a lot about, abortion access to patients in Mississippi. But, I mean, if they close the clinic, Mississippi's access to abortion is gone. I mean, patients here come, they can barely scrape together the money to come and get here and get access, and they're coming from two, three, four hours away. The next closest abortion, if Roe is overturned, is going to be way too far away for any of these patients to get there, and that means that 
access is gone in this state for all of us. Anti-abortion activists say that abortion is killing a baby. Right. They do, and, you know, we hear that every day. Abortion is medical care, and abortion is allowing people to choose when and how and if they have children. Um, It's allowing for bodily autonomy. It's allowing for people to make decisions that are best for them. Sometimes it's life-saving. Sometimes it's future-saving. Sometimes it's a a lifeline for the people that come here. Um, It's the right to decide what we do with our bodies. Some say once you're pregnant, you lose that right, and the fetus should be considered, seriously considered. You know, we don't allow anybody to have the right to um, use our body. Like, you cannot hook another person. You cannot take my kidney from me if it means that somebody else gets to live. It's still my decision. Even if I'm not using that kidney, you don't get to use it to keep somebody else alive. But we don't apply those rules when it's a person's uterus. You don't get to use somebody's uterus to keep somebody else alive. It's still your uterus. It's your bodily autonomy, and it's your right. Plenty of Mississippians, of course, disagree. Among them is a protester I met outside the clinic named John Lisenby. L-I-S-E-N-B-E. What town are you from? I'm from Meridian. You drove 90 minutes to come here? Yep. Your thoughts on the oral arguments before the Supreme Court, how do you think it went? I didn't really listen a lot to it. I, I, I read a little bit, but probably not enough to give you much of an informed answer. It, it seemed, from what I saw, to be encouraging, but we'll see. There is a 6-3 to three conservative majority. Do you have hopes that because of that breakdown that Roe v. Wade could be overturned? Possible. I don't know if it's likely, but it's possible. Do you want it overturned? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How do you think that's going to make a difference? Because women will still try and get abortions. Well, you could use that argument against any law. I mean, why have a law against murder? Because people are going to still try to kill each other. So you at least start with the law, and then you try to go on from there. How do you feel about women feeling like you're buddy into their private affairs, especially being a man. <laughs> I can understand how they would feel that way. It, it's never lost on me what we're asking these women to do. It certainly is a lot easier decision to come in here and have an abortion. There's no question about that. I, do you really think that, though? Think what? That it's an easier way to handle it? Yeah, I mean, isn't it? I don't know. I, I I hear from others that it's a very difficult decision, and uh, it can be heart-wrenching, and the circumstances some sure. find themselves yeah. in, they I just feel like they, you know. I wouldn't debate any of that with you. My point simply was, you go in there, you walk out, and then tomorrow, you don't have to worry about being pregnant. That's what I meant by easy. Now, is it easier on the on the woman five years from now, ten years from now, if they're haunted by this thing? No, not then. So we try to stand out here and present an alternative and try to get these ladies to talk with us. And they typically won't, but uh, that's our goal. It's just, just come and talk. Listen. Have you been able to change anybody's mind? Uh, that I know of, no. 
<laughs> I'm, I don't really do a lot of counseling. I'm a little bit more of a sign holder, and, a, and I pray if I can get the ladies to take some literature, which occasionally they do, then then I'm happy with that. But uh, I, you know, my thing in this was I did not want to have to face God someday, having said I did nothing. So I'm going to do something. Anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important to mention? Well, this is this is what I show people. And this is not a bad picture, by the way. A little water damage right there, but you know how old that baby is? That's 20 weeks in the womb. You, you could look at that and say, gosh, that baby was just born an hour ago. And so I always ask people, if you're the doctor, how are you going to kill that baby? Because that's what's got to happen in an abortion. So that's always my question to anybody. How would you go about killing that baby at 20 weeks? Uh, it's not this big, you know, to fit in the palm of your hand at 20 weeks. But nonetheless, uh, eye, uh, eyebrows, lips fully formed. No, I mean, everything, everything is there. Uh, that, that to me is the picture of abortion. That's anti-abortion protester John Lisenby of Meridian. The Supreme Court is expected to issue a ruling in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case in June or July of this year. Coming up, what Mississippians need to know about the Omicron variant of COVID-19. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 has arrived in the United States. Now experts say it's only a matter of time before Mississippi detects its first case of the contagion. Dr. Ramba Rubash is a clinical researcher at Hattiesburg Clinic. He speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance. We are in the very preliminary stages of learning about this new variant of concern. And there's mutations that go on almost every time that the virus replicates. This particular variation is such that it has arisen to a level to be named and be called a variant of concern. And the reason for it is it has a high number of mutations and enough mutations to make us worry that it could evade our current um, antibody responses, whether it's from previous infection or um, previous vaccination. And it also shows some evidence that it may be more transmissible than the previous variant. So the the thing that we are most confident about this variant of concern at this moment is that it shows signs that it may be more transmissible or infectious compared to its previous previous predecessors. While I know this is still very early and there have been no cases identified in Mississippi at this point, according to Department of Health spokesperson Liz Charlotte, should Mississippians be concerned about this variant that's being identified in uh, in Africa right now? Concerned, yes. Panic, no. The simple truth is, as long as we have people that are being infected, whether it's here in America or in South Africa, there is the likelihood for this virus to mutate 
in a way that makes it either more infectious or more severe illness or uh, more likely to evade our immune responses or all three. So we have yet another uh, piece of um, concern in that a, a variant has arisen in South Africa that shows that it's more highly transmissible. We don't yet know what that translates into in terms of severity of illness. We don't yet know what it translates into in regards to our ability to fight it off with our antibodies, either from a previous infection or from um, vaccination. But what we do know is the highest likelihood for these uh, variations to not cause harm or to not even be um, a concern in regards to your own personal safety are the things that we've been talking about all along, which is to mask and to get vaccinated. Those two things by themselves can render any variations that come across uh, virtually impotent in regards to its effect on us. So to answer your question, again, in a more succinct manner, it is uh, a variant of concern and we should be concerned, but not yet panicked as we don't have information to make us panic. What can Mississippians do to prepare in case this isn't identified in the state at some point? Well, it's likely that it will be identified. So let me just um, put that to rest. Whatever the more fit mutation is, it's likely going to be the predominant strain. And I think the best thing you can do to help protect yourself and your families and your loved ones is to continue masking in indoor public settings and to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. As I understand it, at the Hattiesburg Clinic, y'all are now offering booster doses of the coronavirus vaccines for anybody ages 18 years and older. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that and what that could potentially do to help curb the spread of this new variant, plus the ongoing Delta variant that's in the state? One of the things we've learned through the course of this emerging pandemic is that our immune response diminishes over time. There's a diminution of both the ability to ward off previous uh, or subsequent infection and our measurable antibody levels. Fortunately, what we've discovered over the course of the clinical trial is the booster doses remarkably increase our fitness in regards to both our ability to ward off future infections and our measurable antibody levels. So getting boosted is a crucial tool in the arsenal that we have now to help keep people from getting ill themselves and from spreading illness to others. So that's a big deal. And, and please don't forget that it's also flu season. And what we are noticing different from last year is as we have relaxed some of our social distancing and our masking, that the influenza virus is ripping through uh, colleges and places where there's communal gatherings. So that's out there as well. And that presents its own challenges and its own um, health risks um, not to mention the fact that it could um, convolute um, what's going on in regards to whether you have COVID or whether you have influenza, and we just won't know, so we'll have to treat you as if you do, unless you go in and get tested, um, treat you as if you have COVID, and give you that same 10-day quarantine. To be honest, though, we have always advocated for a 10-day quarantine with the flu as well. It, like the coronavirus, tends to be a virus that is um, no longer shed after day nine, and therefore after day 10, you're typically safe to go back to your normal activities. So we'll just have to be more vigilant with that as people get influenza this year as well. Now, from your experience, what do you think another 
variant in the state would look like? Do you think we would see another surge uh, like we saw with the Delta variant? Yeah, that's an excellent question and, and tough to prognosticate. It depends on so many variables, answers to which we don't yet know. We don't know if our current levels of immunity are sufficient against this variant, meaning the hundreds of thousands of us who have already had COVID and the millions who have already had uh, vaccination or the combination thereof. We don't know how effective that's going to be in regards to this new variant and how effective our immune responses will be will dictate whether we have another surge. If it is more transmissible, as the preliminary data seems to indicate, and as we get into the season, meaning just from a chronological standpoint, where the coronavirus has seemingly been more active, which has been in, in the winter and, and in the summer, we're entering into that time. We also add in the variable that people are going to congregate more and congregate more indoors. It is likely that we're going to get a spike in cases, but it's too early yet to give you a definitive prognostication. I'm concerned that we'll get a, a spike in cases. I'm not educated enough on the potentialities of this variant to say for sure that's going to happen. Sounds like people shouldn't take their mask off their wish list for Christmas this year just yet. But lastly, uh, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with Mississippians um, when it comes to the coronavirus, what we have ongoing in the state now, or looking into the future as we could be bracing for either a surge during the holidays or a surge from this new strain? I think the most important message I would share with people is we're close to the end and now is not the time to put down our guards, whether it is with masking or with um, getting vaccinated or boosted. If, if we can press forward just for a few more months, I would anticipate we're going to get close to a level where these new variants won't cause us much more concern in terms of getting past our defenses. What you have to um, remember is these variants will progressively become more and more infectious, the ones that we identify as being those of concern. And the more infectious they become, the more people need to have immunity for us to get to herd immunity. Herd immunity is still not off the table. We just have to progress in terms of vaccination so that we can get to that level. So the original coronavirus, the first one that came from Wuhan or from Europe, uh, that was not nearly as infectious as what we saw from the, the subsequent variants, including the latest one, the Delta variant. So we had to increase the numbers of people that had immunity, say from 60%, now up to maybe 90%. And this variant may cause that number to even go up higher to 95%. So if we can keep people from getting ill by masking, and if we can keep people vaccinating their first doses and their booster doses and as children become eligible, getting them vaccinated, we will be very close to the finish line here. We're, we're not far off. Dr. Rambod Rubash is a faculty physician and program director at the Forest General Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program and the principal investigator for clinical research at Hattiesburg Clinic. Coming up, a Medicare deadline in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippians who are on Medicare have until tomorrow at midnight to make any changes to their existing plans. Candace Washington is with the State Health Insurance Assistance Program, and she says this type of deadline can be tricky to navigate for some enrollees. If you're satisfied with your health professionals that, you know, that you've been working with over the years, you know, for whatever time span, make sure that that doctor is still in network and that doctor, you know, um, you're able to still utilize that doctor next year if you change plans. Because, you know, we see these commercials all of the time, you know, from different insurance companies, and they're like, select this, choose this, choose this. And it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. It's, it sounds good on the front end, but, but come January, February, we get calls and people are like, that's not what I was told or, you know, this and a third, the insurance company is telling me this and my, um, my healthcare provider is telling me that they're not, you know, and they're not going to, the insurance company is going to pay for this and pay for that. So we do try to remind our Medicare beneficiaries and their caregivers to just be mindful when you're choosing a plan, make sure that your healthcare providers, including your pharmacy, accept this you know, this particular plan. There are plans that will call people and try and get them to sign up or agree Mm -hmm. to sign up. Are you finding that some people are getting caught up in these situations? Oh, yes. We we definitely um, share with our Medicare beneficiaries and their caregivers to be mindful of scams. Like, you have to watch out for scams all all of the time. And, in fact, just recently my grandmother was one of them. Um, just a few weeks ago, she called me and she said, Candace, I need help. She said, um, I thought I was enrolled in this plan, and these people are calling me and they're writing me about this. And she was like, something just seems fishy, and it was. And so I connected her with one of our Medicare counselors. They got everything worked out for her, and she's good to go. So, again, you know, when they do receive, you know, something by mail or a phone call that doesn't, you know, doesn't sit well, Yes, we have Medicare um, counselors available throughout the state. So what we would do is request information, like a copy of the letter, just have them to read the letter to us, you know, and if it's in person, just share the letter. That way we can see what if, 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 it, if it is indeed, you know, authentic or not. And, um, you know, just kind of assist them with the process. What is the biggest challenge when it comes to signing up for Medicare for folks? Generally, when when someone calls and they're just they're, they're, <laughs> what they generally say, <laughs> I don't understand. You know, like I, I have this this booklet in front of me, and it's just it's just a lot. And the, you know, and sometimes, so a lot of times we meet people where they are, and so we walk we work with people or counsel people from all different walks of, uh, walks of life, and so Medicare can be a lot. You know, if you're you're sitting at home, you know your agent is who, and then you get this information through the mail, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what is this? You know, so when they call, you know, their some have done their research or their homework, if you will, and they're like, oh, I just have a question about this or that. 
But then you have others that are like, you know what, I don't, I don't understand any of these. Just help me. Candace Washington is with the State Health Insurance Assistance Program. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.